Gaming Dads Podcast. gentlemen welcome back again season two episode two of the gaming dads podcast we're back my name is thero hanging out with scotch how you doing buddy you look good boss yeah i can't complain you know coming off a a really good episode last week um you know it, it was a pleasure having philly on uh and i think a lot of people really really liked that episode well philly was just such a great you know, got an interview. He was so cool and want to have him on again for sure, as we were saying in the last episode. Um, yeah, like it's like you're saying, great start to season two. Feeling good. Yep. Feeling good. Upgrades as usual. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're just moving know. right along. I mean, uh, you know, to kind of give everybody out there an update as to what's going on, uh, we've now surpassed... Uh, about 200 unique listens uh, per week. So we're, we're just kind of growing and growing. Yeah. And uh, we, we definitely appreciate it. You know, get get our name out there uh, and let people know the Gaming Dad podcast exists. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter. We're on Discord. Uh, you know. I'm Scotch and Tie Guy on Twitter. You're Thero on Twitter. We've got the Gaming Dads Twitter. We've got the Gaming Dads YouTube channel. Uh, There's no uploading there. No excuse. No excuses not to listen to the Gaming Dads podcast. I do want to give a quick shout out because okay. you may have heard at the beginning of the episode our new intro, and you'll hear our new outro. Yep. And I want to give a big shout out to our new editor who edited the last podcast episode, season two, episode one. He's an old friend of mine, uh, only roommate I ever had in college. Ooh, uh, buddy of mine. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna reveal too much about him. We'll probably have him on at some point for a segment, sure, just to kind of like int- show him off that sort of thing. But he has done a lot of work for us. Uh, again, upgrading the podcast and adding new sounds and everything that we wanted to kind of like... Wait, show him off? Is is he like a new Camaro? Maybe. Oh, okay. He's kind of hot. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You know, it, it's funny because he's going to have to edit this and listen to it. So, yes. Well, that's good. Yes. That's good. So if he, isn't, if he doesn't enjoy that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I definitely want to have him on just to kind of introduce him and, you know um because he he's got his own stuff going on as well he's got a, he's got a couple podcasts that he does he does a lot of the editing for those podcasts um i think he he in his own career he's like doing a lot of editing that sort of thing so i definitely want to have him on just to kind of let him showcase himself talk about the other stuff that he's doing that's absolutely sort of thing, because you know and he's doing a lot of work for us and i just greatly appreciate it and not to mention that it takes a huge weight off my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so now all I have to do is distribute every week. So it's really nice. But yeah. So I suggest we go ahead and get right into it. Now, this first topic, uh, we've kind of mentioned a couple of times in other episodes, mm-hmm. uh, but it's something that's near and dear to my heart. It is. And it's, yeah, near and dear to me as well. And, yeah. and IRL gaming. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, we focus a lot here at the Gaming Dads podcast on video games and things like that, but it's it's not the gaming's vid- the gaming video or wait, video gaming dads podcast, right? It's the gaming dads podcast. So yeah. um talking about IRL gaming, and the first one, of course, is D D. Dungeons and Dragons. That's the classic one. It is. That's and, the, that's the one that's kind of like the the when you think of like the nerd dumb, right? You think D D. Well, and and here's what's funny about it. So, like, I'm in a D and D campaign right now. I drive. Uh, it's about every two weeks. I drive about an hour uh, north to go play with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other players. It's a pretty big game, and. What's funny is, is anybody who's listened to the podcast knows that I hate turn-based anything in video games, but I love it in D&D. <laughs> like, it's weird. So you hate, like, the, the, the classic RPG or the, right. like, Pokemon. Right. But when it comes to IRL, D, IRL turn-based, it's fine. Right. Because, I mean, I guess in those games, I'm kind of constricted by whatever's in the menu. Right. And in D&D, if... If I'm a like right now, I'm playing as a wild mage. If if I want to just turn around and you know throw my hat at a goblin running at me, I can. <laughs> or well, I can lay down on the ground and not do anything or well, whatever I want. That's what the, the great thing about D and D is. Is it you know, and with with video games, it's really hard because you're constricted to what the video game gives you. So like right. with Skyrim, like you sure you can role play with Skyrim. You can do sure. that, but it's very hard, especially when the mechanics of Skyrim pull you towards being a stealth archer. Right. Like, and I mean, that's the that's the classic thing. Like everyone in everyone in Skyrim is like, oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a battle mage. Right. Every single every single dungeon is you with a bow and arrow sneaking. <laughs> exactly. So it's D D is so great because it it it, it gives opportunity to every class right and 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 it allows you to create the exact experience that you want to have i'll give you an example so i was in the DD campaign with me and my buddies uh i was a rogue rogue uh rogue half elf right right um and he was he's kind of like this kind of weirdo like not not weirdo but definitely like loner character who likes messing with people Mm -hmm. so what I did during a certain fight was is I would hide or I would give like, what is it? Uh, what's it called? I would like assist mm-hmm. another player. And the way I would do it is I would whisper in their air very softly. Creepy. And <laughs> just to kind of mess with them because that's my character. Right. And at one point I whispered into, uh, <laughs> into uh, another character's ear. And I kissed him on the cheek oh and he, my God. because I'm a rogue. I was hidden. So he didn't see me. So the, the, our, our, um, our DM, he had him roll for constitution and he rolled a two and he pissed himself. Oh, that's about right. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's the thing. So like, and, and don't get me wrong. So the DM pretty much makes the game. Yeah. Right. Um, I think, why D&D has a special place in my heart is, you know, I started, I learned with military buddies when I was downrange, um, you know, when you don't have electricity um, and you're looking for something to do, I would just start a D&D campaign. And we had a lot of fun doing that. Wow. Um, you know, it, it, 
the world is endless. Um, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, one of our listeners, Chaotic, has actually been in a D&D game with me that I ran. Um, I enjoy doing both. Um, nine times out of ten, I get stuck as the DM. <laughs> just just because that's just how it ends up working out. Um, you know, so it was really nice to be able to play in this game uh, and be a player. Uh, we're, we're doing right now a, a um, first edition module, but we modified it for Pathfinder. Mm. Uh, so this is uh, Dragon Mountain, which the story is, is that there's this hidden mountain called Dragon Mountain that has all of these treasures and things, but nobody knows where it is. It's not a map or anything. So we're trying to find it. And it's supposedly one of the hardest campaigns in D&D. Oh, there you go. So, and, and we knew this when the DM approached us and said, hey, we're going to run this campaign. Just so you know, you need to go ahead and create two to three characters. Mm-hmm. Because your characters are probably going to die. Because I'm not going <laughs> to hold back. So, and he hasn't. We've already had multiple characters die. Um, my character is a wild mage. Um, and for those of you that play in, in fifth edition, it's not a wild sorcerer. This is actually a first edition character that that I've been modifying for Pathfinder. And a wild mage, they're incredibly brilliant. They they deal with this wild magic. And um, there's a spell called uh, Nerwal's Reckless Duomer that you... It's a first level spell, and you can use it to cast any spell you want that's in your spell book, even if you don't have it prepared. But it only has a 10% chance of going off. It has a 90% chance of going wild. And we use four different tables. So my character has been turned from male to female. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I went from uh, my character's name was uh, Gargamel Farquad. <laughs> it was Lord Gargamel Farquad. Now it's go. Lady Gargamel Farquad. There you go. And so I like things like that. So I, I think that D and D is kind of the basis for a lot of the RPGs that we play today. Well, and I was just about to say, you know, what's for, like what's the what's the quintessential part of D and D? You know what what makes what makes D and D so good in comparison to other classic games? Because Even it's limitless. It, it's limitless, right? Like it's absolutely limitless. Uh, you know, because ultimately, yes, you have rules, you have guidebooks and things, but it's whatever the DM wants. It's literally whatever that comes into the DM's head. Well, and and I compare it to mods. So Pokemon has a lot of mods, right? So you can right. play a a, a a a modded version of, of Fire Red, mm-hmm. and have an experience, right? So like I, there, I was playing a modded version of Fire Red. I forgot the name of it, and I I I went up to this Fisher this fisherman, right? And I was like, okay, get battle this fisherman. And the first two, the fir- uh, all three Pokemon that he had were Magikarp. I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. The last Magikarp had Dragon Rage. Nice. So, and if you don't, if you don't know Pokemon, Dragon Rage is a very, very, very powerful dragon type attack that a level like 15 Magikarp had. And if you know if you if you also know Pokemon very well, even if you don't know Pokemon very well, you know that Magikarp is pretty much a very garbage Pokemon. Yes. So for Magikarp to have a drag have Dragon Rage is like really intense. So I got freaking wiped, and it's it's these mods and that sort of thing that make 
these other Pokemon games really cool. And that's the thing about D&D that I think is really nice is that you're given the tools. So yeah, so you you could you could do the campaigns that are given to you by the creators, right? And they they give you plenty of campaigns sure. to to use with plenty of side quests, plenty of details, everything that you could ever experience within a good D&D session. It's all there for you to have. No right. problems at all. But then what they also do and this is I, this is why I like DMing is I I like creating the story. Exactly. I really I really enjoy creating stories, and I'm very I'm I'm pretty good about meticulously creating, you know, different experiences for the for for you know the characters for the players, and you know, I like that they give you like the stats for all the enemies. They give you the prices for all of the items, right, and everything, so you don't have to do anything at all. You don't have to create prices. You don't have to like work on like okay, well, this is the, how the economy is going to work, that sort of thing. Well, this nope, is nope. It's already I'm done for you. It's already done for you. So I all I have to do is say, okay, I want vampires. I can pick up a vampire. And I can say, okay, here are the stats. I might modify the stats here and there, but it's all pretty much there. And I could boom, cool, that works perfectly. You even have a calculator. Yep. That you can pull up that mo- that tells you how difficult a specific fight will be. Correct. So that you can modify it. So like, for instance, the very first battle, probably going to be very easy. Very easy. Maybe midway through, you have a, a little bit more of an intense battle, but then it trails off. And of course, the last battle is going to be extremely intense. It's going to be very, very difficult, right? So it's 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 so easy to create it. Completely free to play. You can play it online. Like there's online exactly. access. That's that's how me and my buddies played. Is there there was an on, we had we had an roll online twenty board. is one of them. Yeah, there's roll twenty. There's a, roll there's 20. quite a few out there uh, that have popped up. So yeah, even during COVID, um, there's a lot of even uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, I'm gonna plug. Even though they're absolutely huge, um, critical role on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Vin Diesel's played in that campaign. There's the the voice actor from McCree from Overwatch has played. Um, it's really good story, so I'd, I'd recommend watching it. But you know, I I still think that you know that's kind of how video games were shaped to attempt to recreate. That's kind of a, you know impossible until AI exists, I guess. But but you know, tying into uh, you know, you've got D and D, you've got uh, World of Darkness, which is going to be Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf. Uh, which I don't know if you've ever played that, but it's it's a lot of fun as well. It's more set in a modern time, so you have guns, um, and uh, the only dice you use are D10s. And uh, so that's a lot of fun to play. I've done a couple of campaigns of that, um, but even tying into live-action uh, role-playing. Now, I, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing with LARPing, all right? And I know a lot of people enjoy it. I I much prefer to sit down at a table and do it, um, the only time that I've even come close to LARPing was we bought a bunch of, this is when I lived in Alaska. Um, and as a matter of fact, my buddy who I was stationed with in Alaska is, is, is here. Um, uh, we go to his house every couple of weeks, but he still has some of the old swords and stuff that we used to play around with. Mm-hmm. And so we would just play around and have battles. We never actually did the live action role playing cause it's not, I don't know, like for me, I enjoyed the tabletop. I, I'm sure it's fun to be able to say, "All right, I'm firing magic missile at you," but you know, that's 
that's not really something that's interested me a, a ton, but I still think it's cool. And I still think it, it's, it's affected how D and D plays and how video games play as well. Well, uh, and I, I, I I've never LARPed. I think I've tried it like once and I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> but like, I remember being a kid you know, you ran around the backyard with swords and that sort of thing. Or when Pokemon was really big, we would, you know, pretend, oh, I caught a Eevee or I caught, uh, I caught a Charmander or whatever. And you'd, you'd pretend that you were catching Pokemon in the backyard or whatever. But uh, yeah, I never got into the live action role play thing. I, I don't get it. It's yeah. just like it's I'm having to pretend that I cast a specific spell. Or I'm having to pretend that like I just chopped your arm off. Sure. And it's just the the real I I can't make the I can't make that kind of distinction. I guess in my head. I guess some people can. I guess that's how they that's how they have fun with it. I can't do that. Right. But it's and, like, well, I don't know. I think the biggest turnoff for me, uh, and and again, I'm not putting down LARPing at all. No. Um. But any of the events that I would attend, um, even just to kind of watch as a spectator, um would kind of turn into an argument at places because, you know, well, with D&D, that's exactly you're at a is. table, you know, right. what the DM says goes, yeah, you know, and, and you have people that are controlling that battlefield, but, you know, they're like, oh, no, you can't remove my hand because of blah, blah, you know, and, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what turned me off. Now, I thought it was really cool, like the costumes, like people go in depth with their cosplays and, and, mm-hmm you know, with makeup and all of this and creating these characters and these backstories. And it's really, really cool. Um, but I much rather use my imagination to picture what's going on or even use right. little models. Well, it, that's the reason why I couldn't, I couldn't get into the LARPing thing is because of the railroading aspect. Cause you're going to have that person. You're fortunately for me, I, I had the nice, the unique experience of not ever having to have anyone in a D and D session railroad. Right. You know, I've always had, you know, just people who are like accepting of, okay, this is just what happens. Right. That's how it goes. And that's it. Okay. And, you know, I'm not going to come, I'm not going to come up with some crazy skeevy way of making this work in my favor. You know, right. Like if I get hit, I got hit. Like that's just it. You know, I can't like, oh, well, my, I, I, well, I didn't do that. I did this. Well, that's not what you said. Okay. Um, and I remember like as a kid, again, as a kid, you, you're, you're playing with your friends. And you go, well, I do this. And your friend goes, well, you can't do that because I do this. Well, I can't, you can't do this. I can just see that as, as an adult. And I just, I, the, the idea of that just kind of makes me think I don't want to do that because <laughs> of the railroading yeah. thing. I, I just don't like, I just don't like, I don't like it when people like make it so the story has to fall in their favor every single time. Right. So, and that's fair. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think setting the expectation of, um in the beginning of the game uh and that's what every good dm does of of, hey these are the rules this is what's required um and and a good dm is going to keep that that on track anyway um but you know there's there's something that we haven't mentioned here as far as irl gaming and that's going to be board games oh yeah you know um, i love a good board game Love I do too. Game. And we, we get together. Uh, matter of fact, I think last week we went and we played, uh, after the recording, we went and played um, Settlers Catan. There you go. Um, uh, my buddy has got this game called Zombicide, which is really cool. It's it's a book. So the game continues on. 
regardless. It's a book of like 50 campaigns. And so you do number 14. And then the next time you play is number 15, no matter who's there. And, you know, you have certain mission things to complete. It's kind of cool. Um, or we just invested in a, there's a game we really like. I think it's called like Exploring. Oh, no. Terraforming Mars is the game. That, I've heard of that one. And it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came out with a Kickstarter. So we all kind of pitched in. Uh, to get like the ultimate, ultimate game edition on the Kickstarter, which it should be coming out in the next month or so, which is kind of cool. Nice. Uh, but, but you know, it, it creates a different dynamic, right? So video games, um, yeah, you can play with friends. You can be in a party and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, being there with people in front of you, it's completely different. Well, and that's that's why I like so much. I, I get really into board games. And I'm I, I'm not thinking of board games like um I mean I've never played Settlers of Catan, per se, but I've played what? Other, like uh, yeah I've never played it, uh, oh but like I, I'm thinking of like other like classic board games like Life and uh, I mean I've I've played a little bit like weirder stuff as well but more out there kind of things but I like it I get really in- into it I get really intense. And yeah. like, <laughs> I get like really into it and I'll get like angry. I'll be like, what are you doing? You know, that sort of thing. But I like it because you could, you could sit down again. It's that, that, that familial experience of like sitting down. I'm having a beer or I'm drinking a scotch and we're all just having a good time. You know, I might end up sleeping on your couch or whatever. It's no big deal. Right. You know, that's right. the experience of sitting down and playing a board game. But it's, it's almost it's almost that familial thing. You know, I, I remember growing up, my mom and I, you know, when it was just me and her in the house sometimes. We would sit down and we would play cards together and we just, you know, we'd be, you know, eating some snacks, you know, we'd maybe, you know, drink some sweet tea or whatever. And we'd be playing cards and that's it. And it's that familiar experience that you get to have when you get to sit down across from another person. And unfortunately with the whole COVID situation, obviously, you know, that's kind of put a damper on that. And also the, the, the advent of the internet and discord and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, and tabletop simulator stuff. on, uh, right. Exactly. So that separates oh. it, but I think that's there, there's I think I think while the familial thing and having someone right across from you is nice, you, you st- the great thing about tabletop and the great thing about D and D and all this kind of stuff is you still have that kind of united experience of like being together and experiencing that one thing together. Right. Like when we're fighting this dragon, we're doing this together. We're working together on this. And we're coming up with a, a way to do this as as a party. Um, or it's, you know, to the same extent, uh, when you're, you know, playing a board game against another person, you're, you're, you're working together while also simultaneously working against one another. Right. I don't know. It, it, there's, there's something about that experience that can't be done within a video game. I think the only video game that has been able to get close to that is actually Grand Theft Auto five. Right. And, and yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, I'm thinking of the, um, the no pixel kind of stuff. Right. Where you can role play that sort of thing. I mean, you've got World of Warcraft and you've got, you know, all the MMORPGs or whatever. But in reality, you're still restricted. Well, of course. And I think, I, I mean, freaking in, in GTA 5, you can be a garbage truck driver. And that's your career. And that's what you do. And you're just, you play the role of, of this, of this you know, garbage truck driver. And then on the side, right. you're, I don't know, maybe... You're on uh, on the side. You're uh, and they've got modded servers as well that that you know make that realism more real. I guess no. But and they, they, well, I was watching uh, one guy. I don't know if you know this guy, Flo McNasty. 
He made uh, he's he's big on TikTok for making um overlays for people on Twitch. I, may, I don't know if you know or not, but I, I uh, no, yeah, I haven't heard I haven't heard that name. Flo McNasty, if you if he definitely deserves more follows because he just does so much good stuff and he's just such a nice guy. Uh, but he he does a lot of the GTA Five no pixel stuff and they like get really into it. Like you get people who are just like committed to their role. And I'm like, dang, like dude, that's impressive. So it's a kind of like that 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 D and D that that IRL sort of thing where it's like I'm inserting myself completely into this this scenario, right? And I'm going to encapsulate this character. So, I mean that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I guess the only other thing that I have to say about that is that so I'm I'm incredibly competitive, right? <laughs> the problem is is that so is my wife. So I'm thinking of the, uh, the, the clip again. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing is for us, like settlers of Catan, we have to be like, okay, look, we're about to play this game. Uh-huh. We need to stop it. Even look, I, and I'm, I know this is not a, a IRL gaming, uh, thing, but I, I do want to bring this up. So my wife just got, uh, a Nintendo switch mm. and she got it for one game. And one game only, and that's Mario. Mario Kart. Kart. That's all she wanted. Yeah. So we're all playing. It's uh, me, my wife, Diva, um, uh, Chozo, who is one of my mods in my Twitch uh, uh, channel, and his girlfriend. And we're all playing Mario Kart. And oh my gosh, the amount of times that either one of us said, all right, you know what? I'm done. We're getting a divorce. <laughs> over this mario kart race it's like the or like the it's the uh it's the uh married version of rage quit right <laughs> or look you're sleeping on the couch or whatever and you know and it's from simple things like just playing the game like we were playing battle i think and i hit one of her balloons and she got so angry and vice versa so we have to be very careful on the games that we play together right because we're both incredibly competitive and we're a lot harder on each other than what I would be with someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah. Well, I don't know. I... On that same vein, yep. you know, uh, there, a lot of uh, the big thing with these IRL games is that it's, it's, it's a lot about the story, right? right? Like D and D in particular, what really pulls me into a D and D session is if a DM is able to create a very, very compelling story. Sure. And that's what I tried really, really hard to do with my d my my, when i was a dm i created a whole campaign that was centered around ancient greece Mm -hmm. and one session was we ended the session one session with them having a party with one of the one of the uh with the king of sparta Mm -hmm. because it was centered around when uh when the when spartans were fighting were at war with just had they had just finished the war with athens right sparta and athens and so you had the king of sparta right and um they had this giant banquet and everything like that with the king of sparta and one of the characters is a drunk brawler and he punched the king of sparta in the face knocked him out for a second and the king got back up and he cheered and everyone freaked out and they all drank the whole night the whole next session was them trying to figure out what the hell they did the night before because they all blacked out Nice. So it's just creating that story and creating that experience right. and allowing them to have that, you know, 
and we talked about lore in video games, right? You know, lore is like the kind of overbranching different things that you kind of discover within the game. You know, sure. you read a note and, you know, it explains something a little bit more. But we didn't really talk about the story within the game, really, did we? No, not really. Yeah. And I think one thing for me that I really like about video games is, is and this is the reason why I talk about video games as an art form. And why I try to talk about video games more more on a philosophical level rather than just a pragmatic level mm-hmm. is that I think that story that video games need to be appreciated as a storytelling form more, like like movies. Sure, I mean it's like it's music, a form of like books, just like TV. Exactly. So and, and, and but and I think that it needs to be appreciated more like that, and it isn't. It's moving in that direction, fortunately. But especially with COVID and everything like that, it's been. I think I think that that has been more appreciated within the scope of modern media, especially. But I think that there has been a stigma for the past twenty years, twenty thirty years of, of video games, especially back in like the mid eighties. Right? Well, here's the you know, thing, though, like. To be perfectly honest, as we're kind of getting into this topic, yeah, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated it more. But look at the games that sell; they have zero story. Well, and that's that's the that's the reason why I talk about that stigma, right? Is you know what what games sell? Call of Duty, uh, Fortnite, Fortnite, freaking. I mean, Minecraft kind of had no, not really a story, but kind of a story. I don't know. Um, I mean, just all all those kind of games that don't really have a story to them that are action based, right? Right, exactly. Now, but when you talk to like a person who really, really likes video games that knows video games, right? You you're talking to someone who knows about stories within games, right? Who knows Reach? Like, if you if 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 you're a real guy, you know Halo Reach. If you're and a you real know guy that story and you know how Halo Reach I, and I, I don't think anyone's going to debate me on this. Halo Reach is the best story in all of video games. Pause champ. Pause. <laughs> I mean, and I like, I, uh, don't get me wrong. I like Halo Reach. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the story. Um, I don't know. There's, there's some really, good stories out there that that i think are on that same level right i mean it's it's like it is another halo game don't get me wrong like it's it's an fps just like every other halo game but reach just takes it to that next level and it's just i think it's it's the context of the whole halo you know the whole halo series it's put inserting reach into there and you know how it starts and how it ends um but i mean I know you love stories and games as much as I do. So we, I mean, we were talking about this beforehand. I mean, I know you've got your list. I do. And you know, and, and here's the thing is so like, for me, the story doesn't have to be like this big giant epic thing. Um, you know, because I like fun stories too, just like I like comedies and I like Mm -hmm. dramas and I, you know what I mean? So, um, I think the reason why I love like all of the grand theft auto stories is the same reason why I love the TV show Breaking Bad. Yeah. Because you start from nothing and you build this massive empire going through in and, and you know, I mean there's some camp or some missions and things that do kind of jump that shark a little bit. Um but it's about the immersion. The you crane. Know, 
Right. <laughs> you know, but it, it's about immersion and immersing yourself into that story and understanding what that character is feeling. I think mm. that's really what makes a good story. Um, you know, not necessarily the genre, if that makes sense. You know, like um, we've got Legend of Zelda, which, as we know, with canon, there's multiple timelines. And that's why his name is Link. He's a link mm. uh, between those timelines. Right. And essentially, it's the same story over and over with with minor changes. Um, and what's really cool about it is not just the story itself, but the the ideas um, that come from fans when they pick up little things in those stories. Mm. So like for the longest time, people were saying that Majora's Mask is Link's dream. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it's so different than a lot of the other Zelda games that are out there. Um, you know, this has since been debunked, but uh, there's a, a song in there that uh, comes from Link's Awakening. And if you remember, Link's Awakening is actually Link's dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were thinking that Majora's Mask is the same, but Nintendo, excuse me, has since debunked that and said, no, um, that's not the case. But that's why fan fiction exists. Right. You know? Um, and a lot of times these games are taking these ideas from this fan fiction or from these ideas and making it into reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, uh, I was just watching this the other day, uh, I think Devil May Cry uh, for the antagonist uh, figuring out, oh, um, is he the father? Is he this? And, and finally, it's actually his son. Um, mm. you know, or, or uh, fallout fallout fallout's uh, good. Another, uh, Bethesda property where you're engaged in the story. Um, and there, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but who the heck hasn't played fallout four yet? Yeah. But, um, you know, there's lots of twists and turns that you don't necessarily expect, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is awesome. Um, and honestly, there's, there's another game that I'm going to mention here that you may think I'm crazy. Uh, South Park and the Stick of Truth. (laughs) (laughs) I just recently played both of those games for the first time about a month ago. Right. The first one, the Stick of Truth. I'll tell you, that story had me so actively engaged. Yeah, it was ridiculous and uh, comedic and blah, blah, blah. But I was engaged because I wanted to see what happens next. Mm -hmm. And that's very rare for me. You know? Well, and that's that. You know, when we talk about stories in games, you know, it's it's hard because with video games, it's got to be paired up with the action side of it, and you have sure. and, and like how do you engage the player in the story as well? And you know, you've got games that do it very poorly. Like, I mean, Kingdom Hearts is probably the one that gets ragged on the most. Yeah, for having just the most convoluted story that just doesn't make any sense and they have to like come up with weird ways to make things work. Right. I think really the big problem with kingdom hearts in my opinion is not only that it's convoluted, but they tell you everything. It's not like, it's not shown to you. There's no showing. There's no like theater to it. It's all, I'm going to just, I mean, that's going to tell anime RPG stuff though, where they just tell you everything. It's just, it's just, you're reading a book at that point. Like, just give me a book at this point. Like what's, what's the, I mean, not, don't get me wrong. Kingdom hearts, the game, like OG kingdom hearts is a great game. It's sure. so much fun. I love the combat. I love the, 
I love that. And I love the art style and everything, but the story itself, it's, it's told very poorly. And I think it that, is. I think that generally speaking, most people are going to agree on that. I think that you're going to have your diehard kingdom hearts fans that are going to be like, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think generally speaking, kingdom hearts is, to- it's a good story. That's told poorly. Right. Um, like I'm not a good storyteller. I have good stories. I just am not very good at storytelling. Like, right. like, like giving, like, you know, telling people, oh, this is what happened to me, sort of thing. You have people who are very, very good at storytelling. And then that's a, a talent. terrible story. Yeah, it's a talent. There, there are people that can give tell awful stories well and get a good reaction from the crowd. I right. can't even tell a good story well. <laughs> well and so. it's like, I've got a buddy of mine who he's kind of the de facto person of uh, explaining a game when we, when we all get a new game in the gaming group because how he describes things is mm. just so incredibly in-depth. Um, you know, shout-outs to uh, Tharak, by the way. There you go. Uh, but it's incredibly in-depth. He's very descriptive. The words that he uses, and that's why he's such a great DM, going back to uh, D&D, because he paints that picture for you, um, but not to the point of literally just painting the picture. He gives you descriptive terms so that you're picturing this thing in your head mm-hmm. um, on how this works. And, and I, I think you're right. It's, it's kind of a, it's a talent that's, um, I don't know if it's learned or if it's inherent, but, um, you know, going into like Red Dead Redemption. Yep. uh, One and two. I enjoyed one. I enjoyed the story in one, you know, following John Marston, Mm -hmm. uh, looking for his family, um, and all of the hardships and, and things that he's faced along the way on, on trying to get revenge. And, you know, um, I think that's a great story. Same thing with Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, and, and, and to bring up that point, right? Showing, not telling. And I think right. I think there are two points, and I, I'm, I'm going to bring up Red Dead, Red, Dead, Red Dead 2, and I'm going to bring up Halo Reach and make a comparison here. Um, and I'm going to compare it to a movie. Um, it's uh, called of, of Gods and Men. And I think I've brought it up before on the podcast, yes. but I think that everyone should watch it. It's a movie about these monks in, I think it's Turkey, Middle Eastern country, and mm-hmm. there's a civil war going on. And the whole point of this monastic community is that they take a vow of silence. And so the whole movie is a lot of showing. I, th- I think there's maybe 150 words, 200 words total said in dialogue. Maybe. Right. The rest of it is, I mean, there's, there are scenes, there's a whole like 10, 15 minute scenes where not a single word is said. Um, so it's, 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 it's a lot of this showing sort of thing. And I'm going to make a comparison with video games here with Red Dead and Halo Reach. Halo Reach, the very end of that game, you don't get on the helicopter. Right. And nothing is said between the guy who's leaving and and you mm-hmm. not a word is said and yet you a hundred percent feel everything within that moment you know exactly what's going to happen you know exactly how it's going to end not only because you knew how it was going to end from the beginning but you knew exactly what was going on in that moment and you know you knew how each person felt in that moment right because you knew you knew it's what had to happen for the mission to succeed but at the same time it's just like damn and you just feel that and you feel that through that exact feeling all the way up until the credits of the game and red dead has has that exact same thing as well 
where not a single word is said. There's a moment where, you know, you get to the end of the game. No one says anything. And yet that speaks more volume than any sort of, you know, any, any long winded uh, monologue that you could ever think of. And the reason why that works so well, those specific moments. So of gods and men, Halo Reach, Red Dead 2 is because of the story that's been built up there for you. You've you've felt it, you've heard it, you've seen it, you've experienced it all the way up until this point. You know, and, and I'm not going to give away the, the the ending of Gods and Men, but there's an the ending you feel that. You feel right. all of it. And it just it's it's because of the way that that story is told and it's presented and you know, I, I yeah. Well, and and I'll tell you this, um, you know, and I don't think we've had this discussion. I've had it with some of my gaming friends as well. There's uh, quite a few games out there where the protagonist doesn't speak at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, Link doesn't speak. Yep. It just doesn't. And some people don't like that. I like that because it it more personalizes it for me, I guess. Yeah. I don't well, know. I, I I think it depends because it's like you. So right, you've got Link, and I think that Link is the perfect silent protagonist. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna come up with any silent protagonist within it within any genre, it's gonna you've got to put Link there in that list. But on the flip side, you've got Far Cry Three, which is the opposite of the silent protagonist. I mean, it's it's right. a person who speaks, but he it's such a good story. Like that story is just so well done that it, it fits. It fits perfectly, you know, because you're so used to having to being the silent protagonist, especially in FPSs. I mean, that's the classic thing is just okay, have the person be silent. That way, that that person can get immersed. Well, in in Far Cry Three, you aren't silent. You're right. The person does talk, but it fits. And it well, and that's the thing. I think, you know, part of it is with open world games in general. Yeah. Uh, games that are less linear to me typically have a better story. Right? Sure. Um, so bringing it up, there's an old game on Xbox 360 called Mercenaries, uh, which is a really good game, non-linear, open world, um, GTA, all of that. Now, I'm going to bring up one that I may get some hate on, Probably. but I really don't care. I think I think I know where you're going. Assassin's Creed. Oh. So, um, <laughs> I used to be a huge Assassin's Creed fanboy. Sure. Played ev- every single game all the way up until uh, Unity because Unity was so broken. Uh, I did one through um, Revelations. See, and I, I loved like one, two, and three. I loved the idea of, of moving between, you know, the future time and the past to try to figure out something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the And the idea of the Knights Templar and this conspiracy and, you know, how it exists through time. And, and it was a really cool concept. And, and you know, um, at the end, I think it was three, where the main character who we've been following for the first couple of games makes the decision to sacrifice himself. And... I don't know. It, it, I enjoyed the story. Now, the reason why I'm kind of shy from the newer Assassin's Creed games is because I feel that they've gone away from that yeah. and gone to more of this like choice-based RPG type game. 
mm-hmm. right? And don't get me wrong. I 100%ed all of those games up to Unity, 100%, every collectible, everything. Um, and it was incredibly monotonous. The gameplay was not the greatest. But, you know, I think the story behind it was was good. Um, uh, good enough to, that they made a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's there's books and things out there about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the concept is really good. I think the execution wasn't as great. Well, and so this is why I wanted to make sure to talk about stories versus lore. Because I, I think that there's a very, very clear distinction between lore and stories. And I think that Assassin's Creed is the perfect example of very, very good lore. Because, I mean, you'll research all day long different things about uh, Assassin's Creed and, like, go into the deeper kind of understanding of, like, what what, they're, what the world they're creating is. I mean, God, right. I, I remember there was, um, you know, they, they used a real-life event. They, the giant explo- There was a, some giant explosion in, like, the middle of Russia that they right. used as uh as you know a, a side thing for nikola tesla right and kind of explaining how nikola tesla works into the assassin into the assassin order or how um edison is in the templars and this is how he works you know that sort of thing right um using the different people throughout history to kind of create this overarching spider web of experience of different things right right to explore i don't think the story is good i think i think they 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 build a good story and then it falls apart at the end every single time it kind of just like leaves you kind of meh uh i think that two and brotherhood were good i thought revelations kind of left you um i love black flag black flag great game don't get me wrong black flag black flag i think is inarguably the best game out of the assassin's creed series but I think that just the story just kind of like is meh. It just kind of like hangs there. Don't get me wrong. They build up something good and it, it, could, it could be a very, very good story. I think it'd be, it could be an incredible story. I think that Ubisoft got into it too much. And what's the word? They marketed That's a it. That's possibility. They, they, uh, they did what corporations do to stories typically, which is, sure. well, we have to make it to where it's marketable. Oh, we got to sell as many copies as possible, so we of can't course. do that. We can't do something out too too far to the left or too far to the right, and that's typically that's typically what what a great story ends up doing. It, tep- it typically goes a little a little to the left or a little to the right in a direction that you wouldn't expect, right? Or typically, like see out of a, a normal story, right? It mm-hmm. typically may there's something weird that happens that cr- makes that story good that you don't typically see. And that's the unfortunate thing about Assassin's Creed is they stay right on the line every time. Right. And it doesn't create that interesting story. Do- they create interesting lore on the side. Don't get me sure. wrong. I think Assassin's Creed has the deepest, more, most interesting lore out there next to maybe Metal Gear. But mm-hmm. it's, the story itself stays on that line too hard. Right. And I think that that's the problem. Well, I mean, did you ever play the game uh, The Saboteur? yes i think it was xbox 360 yeah so the saboteur um was about the the resistance in paris during the nazi occupation of paris yep and i and it may just be me because i'm obsessed with world war ii like absolutely obsessed when i lived in europe i wanted to see as many sites as possible 
Um, it just fascinated me. But I loved that game because of the story, the, the story of of how this person got wrapped up into uh, the the French uprising against the Nazis and, and trying to push them back. And, and I thought it was really cool, you know, um, but I haven't seen a whole lot past that. Um, I, I don't know. I, like, here's the thing. You know, there, there's a balance, I think. Because some of the best games out there don't have a story at all. We know that. Yep. You know, and video game companies aren't necessarily motivated by story. They're motivated by the bottom line, which is cranking out whatever they can to be able to make money. Um, we see that a lot with early access games. So like another great story, it was very linear for an open world game, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I'm probably going to get some flack for this was Subnautica. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and a I great story. For That's me, an amazing story. For me personally, you know, I played, I got Subnautica early access before a story existed. Like you were just there kind of testing things out and submitting feedback. And so to kind of see the story come together was really cool for me. Um, I haven't played Sub-Zero yet, um, now that it's finalized and finished. Um, but, you know, I think that's a good example of a, a game developer that wanted to make sure that there was a story there that was intriguing. You know, th- something that was new, something that was fresh, something that was different. So, and and that's, to me... What sells bigger than Call of Duty and Fortnite and all of that? You come out with a game that has a phenomenal story, you can get past a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyberpunk is on sale at Walmart for 30 bucks right now. What that tells me is not only was the game mechanic broken, how the game operates completely broken, but the story sucked. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying here? Right. Uh, because if the story was good... That's why Red Dead Redemption 2 is still 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the games that that maintain a good story, that's why. Look, another one, Paper Mario. Paper you Mario know, is great. And for me personally, the reason why I think the story is great in Paper Mario is the fact that the story pulls you in. Mm-hmm. So when certain things happen, certain heartbreaking things happen, you're like, man, I kind of want to cry right now. Right. Like... You know, you you become connected to the character. I think that's what makes the story. You become connected to the character and invested in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I mean, that's the big thing about like if we're if we're gonna you know cap this off, right? Like, like what what makes a good story? I'm not I don't know what the answer is. I don't I don't think that the the story needs to be too complex or too simple. I mean, I'm thinking. You know, my wife and I, I, t- I told you about Rakuen. I think that's a, that's a very simple, but it's it's just, oh my God, it's such a good story. Uh, but then you have something more complex like Dishonored. I mean, it, 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 there's just a long list of games that right. have just incredibly, incredibly good stories um, that are overlooked in comparison to these other, you know, bigger franchise games. I mean, he- heck, do you remember Paper, Please? Yes. Papers, please. Oh my, that story was so good. Yep. And it's barely, again, barely a single word is said, but you get the feeling, you feel the emotion of what is going on in that, in that story. 
uh, to compel you to do what you're doing. Um, jazz punk. Yep. Great story. Absolutely ridiculous game. Great story. On the flip side, you've got just cause three amazing game. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Horrible story. Yeah. The ending to that game was absolutely, I I was like, really? That's it. Like this is ridiculous. I don't know. I agree. But it's, it's, you know, and, and, and as we're capping this off, I kind of tie that to star Wars. Yep. And I'm talking the movies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes a good story is, in the, is subjective. That's why it's hard to define. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, again, it's something that's going to wrap me into whatever's going on and make me invested to see what happens next. That's why I loved The Stick of Truth. I wanted to see what happened next. I wanted to see, you know, what's new, I guess. Mm. Um but the expectations uh, of a good story, it, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to bring up Star Wars, that the fact that the, the three newest movies that were brought out, it didn't matter what they put on that screen. Somebody was going to call it bad. Mm-hmm. It did not matter. You know, uh, and, and the reason why I say that is because they use that cookie cutter format of Star Wars, of uh, this hero who doesn't know they're a hero, they have to train and blah, 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 blah. Um, and people said, oh, no, no, now you guys are just repeating uh, A New Hope. And so what did they do? They started changing it up and changing the story. They're like, no, 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 no. Go back to Star Wars canon. This wouldn't be canon. This is... Shut up. Stop it. A good story pulls you in, mm-hmm. right? Let's you feel emotion, whether it's, you know, comedy, laughing, whatever, Um and it makes you invested in what happens to this character. What What's the ending? What's, you know, that's well, why people hate cliffhangers. Yeah. Well, and it, it like inside, inside's another one. Yep. Not a single word is said. But you know the story. You're completely pulled in though. Agreed. And, you know, I, 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 that's all I want from a video game is to be pulled in, is to be like in that, in, in that experience, you know? So, yeah, I agree. But um, I think we can finish up with one more topic. What do you think? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay. So big news. I, I think I, I wanted to make, well, really, I just wanted to make sure that we talked about this because this was the big news. Uh, I saw this on Twitter just the other day. Um, a little bit of outrage, a little bit of, I don't know. I don't I, I, mean, I know we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Um, but actually, uh, we talked about this at the end of season one, Activision and Blizzard. Turns right. out they are laying off 190 employees. Pretty pretty big thing. Right. Whenever you see a big layoff in that within the gaming industry, usually does not, you know, usually sounds an alarm, typically. Now, I know you've done a little bit of research on this, and... You know, you've got your opinion on that. So I'm going to let you take the wheel here. Well, all right. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation around it. And and I kind of got triggered and got into some, we'll use the word discussion on, <laughs> about this. So Activision Blizzard, they're saying, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Laying off employees. The CEO is getting a big bonus because stocks are great. Well, when you start getting into the nitty gritty of why they're laying off people, right? 
and actually looking at the investment reports, looking why this is happening, it it, it makes sense financially. Okay, and uh, because most of the divisions are so they're they're realigning their international um, locations, right? And um, most of the layoffs have come from the uh, live event side um, and uh, the actual manufacturing of the game. I'm not talking about the development. I'm talking about the actual making of a disc. And, and their thought process is, is that player, and this is a direct quote, players are increasingly choosing to connect with our games digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, with the current pandemic, the esports team has had to modify what it's doing, right? Um, guys, I, I'm, I'm going to say something really harsh and really straightforward. These game companies aren't here for your pleasure. Mm-hmm. They are here as a business to make money, to sell games. That's it. Just like in your own home, if you've got a subscription to Netflix that you never, ever use, right? You're not just going to keep it just because, oh, well, we we got to make sure we're helping out Netflix. No. Activision Blizzard's doing great. They're making money. There's no reason to just waste money just because you have it. Okay. Um, it looks like, uh, according to Bloomberg, uh, the laid off employees are getting a severance. So they're getting a three-month severance. Uh, they're giving health benefits for the next year. And this is the kicker. This is what pissed people off. A $200 gift card to Activision Blizzard's Battle.net. Oh, it boy. pissed people off. And and I said, you know what? Uh... <laughs> Who cares? They could have said, you know what? We're firing you all and we're not giving you anything. Right. Right? Um, I, just, I, th- I think that's just funny. I, I don't it is even, funny. I, I don't even think that that's, like, that's bad or anything. That I'm just like... That's kind of like why, like what, what, like why? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. But it looks like uh, layoffs do include some employees that Activision owned mobile firm King. Uh, that developer King uh, mainly focuses on the mobile side, so like Candy Crush and things like that. Um, uh, it looks like through the Overwatch and Call of Duty series, a lot of the travel-oriented productions where they would go and do these events. A lot of those people have been laid off and it, and it makes perfect sense to me, right? We're in a pandemic. So I, are we just going to pay these people to just kind of sit around and twiddle their thumbs? No, uh, they're, they're moving just like the restaurant industry in new Orleans had to lay off 75,000 employees. So, you know, that's a good 20% of the entire population of the city of new Orleans. Right. They had to lay them off because of the pandemic. I get it. Like I completely understand. Um, now, I, I I don't know. For me personally, um, it happens, and people are criticizing. Oh well, the CEO just got this big bonus because of uh, um, you know how great the stocks are doing. Again, a, how much the company is making has nothing to do with um, these layoffs. So imagine this. This is how I kind of put it into people's heads. If you own five Taco Bells, four of them are incredibly profitable and one of them is not. One of them is just bleeding money. Yeah, you can float that other Taco Bell if you if you want for years at a time. But you're just literally, you might as well take money and set it on fire for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You're, you're probably going to close down that, that Taco Bell that hasn't made money for quite some time. 
um, and and reinvest into something that is going to continue to grow the company and create more jobs over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, and it, I, I know I'm going to get hate saying, oh, you're simping for big companies. No, no, not at all. Right. Uh, I'm explaining the logic behind it. Um, if you personally in your house are just wasting money, you're going to find ways that, yeah, I could cover that $15 Netflix subscription that I never even look at. But why? Mm-hmm. When I could use that money for something else. Well, and here's the bigger thing, right? So you're saying it's it's hard to talk about this because it's like you don't want to talk about this when it comes to video games because I, I mean I've said this before, like video games is like this very protected thing within within the community that it's like you don't mess with this. We don't we don't gentrify it. We don't you know make it something that it's not. We don't monetize it. Whatever, right? Uh, but that's the thing. It's 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 a it's a product that's presented to the public, just like books, just like movies, just like Correct. music, whatever. It's all presented to be sold, and I think that that's one of the problems that we have to overcome as you know gaming as a gaming community as a whole is that you know that's just the way it is, right? And I think that one of the things that we've talked about constantly is that we are sold what we buy, right? Like you said, right? So I mean, why would why would Activision Blizzard dedicate all these people and all this time and all this money to hard copies of video games when, when people are buying them? We're not exactly. We're not buying them. What's the point? Like, right. it's, it, I, I'm not going to produce a product that no one's going to buy. If everyone's buying the digital copies, well, then I'm just going to do that because people because you know our digital copy sales have gone up. I'm making more money off of digital copies. Why would I continue producing and selling something that I'm not making money off anymore? And this is not going to do it. This is true across the board. You know, uh, taxpayers in the United States have supplemented the the movie industry for the longest time. Right. Mm -hmm. We saw with the pandemic, with the shutdown, they get millions and millions and billions of dollars in, in, in bailouts to keep movie theaters open. It's dying. Yeah. Like why? Because why, especially in the pandemic, uh, these companies realize, holy crap, I can charge the price of a movie ticket for people to have these have a, a viewing in their home day one. I don't have to pay a movie theater. I don't have to, you know, help supplement a building. Right. Right. Um, you know, people get so fixated. So uh, like the airline industry is a 100 percent perfect example. And, and, you know, you like flying, I like flying, but let's face it, the commercial airline industry has been a failure for 15 to 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the price of fuel has gone up. Uh, the American public is, has had to bail out these companies multiple times because people don't want to pay, you know, to cover those fuel costs. Um, so the companies try to find unique ways to be able to make that money just to break even. Um, but it's dying. Mm-hmm. Um, just how trains died. They did. Why? Because now in the year 2021, uh, if, if I want to go to California, which is about a 10 hour drive for me, or if I want to go to Vegas, which is, you know, a 10 to 12 hour drive for me, um, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive. Right. I don't want to go to the airport, uh, take off my shoes, go through security, wait an hour, get on a plane. Yeah. I mean, it's less time, but it's a hassle with mm-hmm. kids. It's much easier to, 
throw the kids in a car. Let's let's make a, a road trip. We're going to stop at roadside attractions. We're going to get Wendy's for lunch. We're going to do all of these cool things. So, but we keep the airline industry afloat. Yep. Right. And it's super frustrating. Uh, but it's it's the same with the video games. Like, I, I and I don't get me wrong. I feel bad for these people. The people that were laid off. I've been laid off. I, I was laid off in New Orleans during the COVID pandemic. Um, what did I do? I relocated. I figured out a different career path um, that's going to be a little bit more stable for me and my family. Um, you know, and and that that's what made it easier, I guess. Does that make sense? Well, and the nice thing about this is that like most of the time with these layoffs, especially within the gaming industry, 95% of the time these people are getting jobs with other developers right or other companies it's not like they're like just homeless all of a sudden exactly that's never because again 95 percent of these people are talented individuals who are highly sought after exactly the reason why they're working for activision blizzard is because they're being they're they're paying them the money to be there because they're worth being there so exactly most of the time what ends up happening is these people end up going to smaller developers Sure, they might make a little bit less money, but they're producing games for these smaller developers and and make these small these games that everyone. I mean, heck, that's that how that's how you're getting all these like really good story based games. Right, is that they're going they're you've got these bigger developers laying off these guys, and then they're like, okay, I'm going to make a game, and then they make a game, and then they're like, oh hey, this is like a really good game. I mean, we see that a lot. I mean, uh, Bungie specifically. Um, you know, the creators of destiny, when it first came out, uh, was marketed as, Hey, we're the original creators of halo. Yep. Uh, we were laid off from Microsoft. We created our own company and this is what we created. Yeah. Um, so, but, but the fact is, is that, that gamers feel entitled, uh, to these games. They feel that, that they own a part of it and they don't. Yeah. You know, we brought up the example. What was it? Uh, Smash, where Nintendo shut down the the online uh, play for Smash uh, Melee. Mm -hmm. Was it Melee? Yeah, it was Melee. I think. Yeah. Um, But you know, when I respond with things like "Guys, if they wanted, they could wipe every copy of that game off the planet," right? Um, They could say, "Hey, anybody who uses this for broadcast, we're going to go after you legally." And, and they would win. Why? Because, again, they own the property. They could take every copy and, you know, launch it into a rocket uh, into outer space and we'd never see it again. Why? Because, again, you own a copy of the game. You mm-hmm. don't own the game. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it. as consumers, we tend to forget that we are consuming something that someone else is producing. Mm-hmm. Right? Um. And there's a lot of uh, really good reasons to go after uh, game companies like Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. Um, There's quite a few games where these game companies really need to be criticized. But again, it's our fault. Yeah. We keep buying it. Well, it's just just supply and demand. It is. is, This is like super basic economics. I taught this when I was, I mean, when I taught sixth through eighth grade social studies, I taught this in seventh grade social studies and they understood it. Right. I mean, if 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 demand's going up, they're gonna we're gonna the, the market's gonna create a supply for that. If the Correct. demand goes down, 
then the market isn't going to create a supply for that because there's no demand. It right. doesn't make any sense. And so with the higher supply is going to be lower pricing. Exactly. And, and well, and, and that's how that's the thing that you're seeing here with the digital copy thing. I mean, if they're not, if they're, I mean, they're making hard copies, no one's buying them. Well, they're not going to make more hard copies. So they're needing to get rid of people because that's who's making the hard copies. And and we know that this is true because look at GameStop with GameStop yeah. going out of business. Um, you know, people aren't buying those hard copies anymore. The only thing they're buying hard copies is going to be retro stuff. So that's why these independent retro stores that sell like Nintendo and all of that kind of stuff are thriving right now. Yeah. Because you, there is no online version other so, than what's I, on the switch. Yeah. I, I will. And here's, here's the thing. I, I think that especially who we're talking to is a very niche group. It's not, yeah. you know, when we talk about the gaming community, we're like, the gaming community is relatively small in the span of gaming, right? Like yeah. when you think of, of big video game titles, what, what you're actually going to, like if, we, if we'd only talked about like the big video game titles, right? What would we, we would end up talking about is the following. Call of Duty. Yep. Uh, Madden. Yep. FIFA. Yep. Uh, maybe you talk about Fortnite a little bit here and there. Uh, Overwatch. You talk about Warzone. Um. Uh, and you talk about Minecraft. That's all. And, that's all you would talk about. That, and I would say Overwatch as well. Right. And, and the only reason why I say that is because of the um, Overwatch. Yeah, we we had esports leagues around um, before Overwatch existed. Yeah. Um, but Overwatch kind of threw that into the the limelight when uh, Blizzard said, "Hey, guess what? We're going to create our own professional league." And oh, by the way, we're going to have all of these investors, such as like uh, Jerry Jones, you know, the owner of uh, Dallas the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, you know, and he, when he starts investing, and so I, I think Overwatch has, has a little spot on there as well. Um, but I, I think you're right. Um, well, speed. We talk about speedrunning. Speedrunning is so niche that. Uh, luckily, some of these bigger streamers, such as Simply and Mizkif, and these guys are, are starting to get speedrunning out there. So it is starting to grow. But, you know, if, if I went to my dad, yeah, you know, who was born in 1956 and asked him about competitive games, uh, he may know Call of Duty. You know, he may he may have heard of Fortnite. He may have heard of, you know, some of these other game types. Does that make sense? Yeah. But he's not going to know Overwatch. He's not going to know, you know, anyway. Well, and that's the thing that I mean is that like the, 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 the majority of people playing video games aren't, aren't the niche group that we're talking about here. They're not, right. into the, they're not into the stories necessarily. They're not into the intricacies of the lore. You know, they'll know the bigger titles, you know, that sort of thing. They'll, they'll know Red Dead. They'll know GTA. They'll right. know Mario. They'll know, they'll know Zelda. That sort of thing. But they're not into like the deeper stuff. They just want to play the game to play the game. Like exactly. they'll play Skyrim for the fighting and the battling and everything like that, but they're not interested in the lore aspect of it. So right. they're not going to do the research or, or, or they're not going to role play. They just want to beat some people up. Um, right. Call of Duty. And that's okay. I just want to shoot a guy, you know? Um, and that's, that's really who, what the market is right now. Unfortunately. It, it and, has and, been and, for a long time. Right. And we'll talk about this next week. But I think that esports has played a role in that to a certain degree. I think that esports has a very good spot in that. But I think that esports has played a role in. I'm not. 
I'm going to use this word incorrectly, and it's this hyperbole. This is 100% hyperbole. Hyperbole? 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 Yes. Hyperbole. Yes. Hyperbole. Hyperbole. This is 100% hyperbole how I'm going to say this, but it's almost gentrifying video games to a certain degree and creating the market that you see right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, And we'll talk about that next week. Cliffhanger. Spoilers. But, um, you know, that's what we've got to kind of understand is that, you know, that's they're going to companies are going to do what they're going to do. I don't like Activision Blizzard at all to begin with. So I, as soon as I read it, I immediately had like an, an inner reaction. Of I, negativity. Your eyes start switching and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I started like my, my eye started twitching and my, my, my fingers immediately started typing in the air, long paragraphs of rage. No, and that's fair. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. They're, again, they're, co- they're companies. They're going to do what they're going to do. Nintendo, it's, it doesn't matter if you're Nintendo, if you're Sony, if you're Activision Blizzard, or if you're freaking the small ADB developer, you know, the one guy making Vulcanoids. You're going to do what you're going to do to make money. Yep. Um, and create a product that people want to buy. Exactly. Um, whether that's something indie or if that's something bigger. I don't know. Um, and I think that we've just kind of got to accept that. And you have to become niche. You have to become very, especially if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna be the type of gamer that you know we're talking about here, right? That's that's into all this kind of stuff. That's into the intricacies. That's into the story. That's into the lore. You have to become very very specific about what you buy and what you play. And that's fair. And, and it's it's hard work to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, it's way more rewarding. It I is. mean, I, I, I'll, I'll give an example, a quick example, and then we'll finish it off here. My little brother, he was never into the video games that I was into. He was always into Call of Duty. He got me into playing Rainbow Six Siege, which I've been playing lately um, again. Uh, but I like I got him Skyrim. He didn't play that. Sure. He wasn't into that at all. But recently, he's been texting me that he has been playing, uh, not Bloodborne, what's the other one? Dark Souls. Dark Souls. He's been playing Dark Souls 3 and he's getting into it. And he's like, actually, this is like a really good game. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk about like the different fights and we'll talk about the different That's the cool. lore behind and everything like that. And he's getting into that. And I think that if you present that at Dark Souls, again, I mean, not necessarily a great story. I don't know if there's necessarily a story there. Great lore, though. Um, but if, if you present that in that way, you'll get people who are playing video games that way and the art will come out more. I agree. Especially in these bigger developers. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, cool. Well, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, awesome. You know, still still going strong. Um we we want to hear from you guys. Yes. You know, we we get constant suggestions every week. Um you know, so we would absolutely love to hear from you guys. Reach out to us Twitter. I I live on Twitter. Twitter. So, yeah, Twitter. Okay. The, the the tweeter. Yep. So, you know, if you reach out to me, you can either DM me, my DMs are open or you can uh tweet at me. Um you know, if you don't agree with anything we said, that's perfectly fine. We still want to hear it. Well, and we got the link tree. So all of the links, I've, I've got the link tree now to where you can click a button and all of our links are right there. That way I yes. don't have to, you know. And that's but in the description there. of every place that we distribute the podcast to has that link tree link in it. Boom. Um, so be sure to check us out. 
Yeah. You know, we will be back next week with some more hot takes. Uh, you know, well, I, we, not not to spoil too much, but maybe two very very special guests? Question mark. Ooh, that's that's a possibility. The, we'll, we're trying to work it out because these uh, these uh, these individuals, it's it's hard working around their schedules. It is. Uh, hint hint. But uh, we're trying to work that out again. Uh, a couple other things here. Again, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube. Um, we're everywhere. You, everywhere. Uh, thank you so much to our new editor again outro intro is on point and we love it and am i missing anything no that's gonna be it well again thank you so much for listening really appreciate it share us to your friends share us to your family um we just we love the we love doing this and we love gaming and as always good gaming absolutely